All right, guys, one, two, three, here we go. Can I get a little motivation, a little energy? I want you to be excited with me. This is Juan Santos over to Counselor's Journey, and we are going to dive into another episode all about teaching you mental health professionals how to A, start, B, grow, C, scale a six-figure counseling private practice without, without feeling overwhelmed. Let's do it. Let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, welcome to uh, Counselor's Journey Private Practice. I am here today with Allison Powell. How are you, Allison? I'm doing great today, Juan. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, actually, before the interview, I told you I had a lot of construction going on in the house. So <laughs> it's like half good, half stressed. You know, it's always an interesting thing when you have people working on your home and you're just watching and waiting until you're able to like get that space to be alone. Yep, I get it. I recently had some work done too, so... Yeah, so we, we relate on that one. Fingers crossed that mine goes well. I wanted to have you here uh, because you are a clinician and then you have a unique set of skills. Not only are you EMDR uh, trained, uh, we both went to UNCG, which I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but you also do supervision. It seems like you do a lot of work, not just um, psychotherapy. So I wanted to ask, you know, when did you take that leap to go from, I'm just going to do psychotherapy to let me, oh, let me, let me broaden you know, my scope of practice? Um, there's, there's several answers that come to mind and, and I'll try to be as direct as I can about that. So I have been in, uh, the academia for several years. And before that I was a clinician, I did, uh, crisis intervention, emergency services type of work, uh, and went on to get my PhD and was in academia for a while, uh, love teaching, love supervising, um, and came to a point in my own career and personal life where I realized that even though I loved a lot of what I was doing, it wasn't, as I put it, conducive to my own nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't a great fit in that way and was causing me a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And so I had to take a hard look at how I was spending my time and um, kind of make some radical decisions to restructure that. Yeah. And that's when I decided to go back into uh, full-time clinical work. But of course, then still had, you know, the skill sets and supervision and teaching yeah. and enjoy doing those things. And so I, I really liked kind of playing around with different ways that can look and creating my own business, doing the things that bring me joy. Yeah, no, I love that. I always find it interesting, you know, in grad school, at least from my end, there wasn't that strong teaching of what it's going to be like when you become a clinician, you know, as far as like burnout, you know, do you feel that your body's okay in that system, whether it's that you're doing psychotherapy or you're teaching and then you found yourself in this space of, you know, I'm working, but let me take a step back and see if I'm living my life in the way that I want to live it. And then you made some changes. Yeah. And that's, sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. burnout catches up with us before we even realize it's happened. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that does end up being sort of on the job training, I think, and getting to know yourself. Mm -hmm. um, because I do think that it's different for everybody, what their threshold is, um, what they need in terms of self-care and what that looks like. And, you know, uh, just getting to know yourself and how to meet your own needs is a big part of that. And a lot of that just comes with experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, what did you do or how did you get to that point of being okay to take that risk to remove yourself from maybe one work environment, transition to another? Mm -hmm. um, I asked that because a lot of clinicians in their journey of private practice, they're, they're working and they're doing, let's say, you know, psychotherapy, you know, one trade. 
And then they think about, you know, adding a secondary trait, maybe the trait of supervision or the trait of I'm going to teach on the side. Mm-hmm. And there's that fear of, you know, what if it doesn't go well or what if I slip up or it goes in the wrong direction? Mm. I think, you know, I'm thinking about my own experience with that and I can very much relate to what you're saying in a lot of those fears because I, I'm a planner and so it's scary <laughs> to yeah, yeah. do new things. It's very scary for me to do new things. Um, I think it's a con- it, it was a combination of listening to feedback and soliciting feedback from other people that I knew professionally and personally. Um, you know, saying here's something that I'm really feeling drawn to do, mm-hmm. and um, you know, how can especially the people closest to me or would you be there to support me and how do you envision this looking and um that helped a lot and then also I think it's just uh it is a leap of faith I think there are certain ways that you can plan and kind of um give yourself contingencies for well Mm -hmm. if this doesn't work out then you know here's what I would do and I think it's helpful to think through those things but I think there's also a big part of it that's about self-trust yeah and believing that if you feel uh, so much energy about a thing and it feels really right and consistent to you that in some way that's the universe speaking and um, that it's at least worth giving it a try. Sometimes, you know, that can be in a limited capacity. Like I know a lot of people who transition into practice will stay at a full-time job and kind of cut back hours. So there's ways to do that. But I do think at the end of the day, it's about saying, you know, I believe in myself enough to listen to where my energy is going. Mm. And you have that within, I guess. (laughs) As as I'm listening in, I I can tell that that's one of those skills that maybe you've you've had for a while, you've been sharpening, you know, that inner (laughs) voice of strength, of, of guidance. Um, it, it tends to be one where if I'm working with, um, I guess, consultees, individuals seeking consultation uh, in the field of private practice, the, the structure is what they want. Like, you know, I want structure to transition full time into private practice. And then I share very much of what you're sharing, you know, as far as, you know, some of it's going to have to do with confidence and balancing that, that fear and worry. But knowing that, you know, you, you, you're going to be OK because you, you've been OK so far. Mm-hmm. You survived 100% of your hardest days, right? We all have. Exactly. So. And I think part of that is also about understanding your own feelings of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really uncomfortable thing to experience, and it, it deters us from doing a lot of things that that could be really growth-promoting for us. But I think when you start to relate to fear maybe a little bit differently and lean into it and accept it as just part of who we are, are all emotions, I believe, are there for, with information to offer us. It's part of our body's natural feedback system mm. wired into our brain and fear and anger and sadness. And, and the ones that we tend to struggle most with are all part of that. It's just a natural part of who we are. And so I think sometimes when there's something that feels like a big risk or feels very scary, it can be helpful to reframe that as that fear is there to tell me that this is important and that maybe there are times in the past I've taken similar risks and it, it hasn't turned out as well, but that doesn't mean this isn't going to work out. I have a lot of evidence to say it will. Yeah. I I, I love that, that, you know, when you mentioned about fear and, and the emotions and being there, uh, it's, 
it's good to point that out. There's a difference, you know, when you're in a room contemplating alone on the decision to make, you know, in your journey of, of life or private practice versus when you get to sit down with someone and they, mm-hmm. you know, say it out loud and then you're hearing it mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, that makes sense. I can play with that. You're right. I have survived, you know, and I'm here today. So I can't take that step. How do you juggle um, your time, you know, between uh, the clinical work, um, supervision, and some of the other areas that you have as far as your professional um, side? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the questions I had to ask myself along the way is what, in what way would I thrive most? I like some variety. I always have when I worked in crisis services. That's one of the things I liked about that. So I try to structure my days so that I have breaks and I build those in intentionally, but also so I have kind of a variety of work on any given day. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at when you're a supervisor, you're making a certain commitment to your supervisees that theoretically for two years, you will have that relationship. And so I look at what is my capacity to, mm-hmm. you know, agree to that. Um, and I'm probably now about, uh, at capacity or close to it for supervision, 60 supervision being 40 and counseling being 60. And that feels pretty good to me. That's about what my target was. So I think okay. I just did some thinking early on again about what do I enjoy about work mm-hmm. and how can I set this up in a way that's going to energize me instead of drain me at the end of most of my days. Yeah. I like that structure that you have there. Um, I, I'm not sure about your practice, but I noticed at times with clinicians as it gets into the holidays, mm-hmm. um, there's added stress there, you know, stress with balancing their caseload. Um, what, what have you done um, as far as making sure that your case goes where you want it to be at during the holiday time? Yeah. Um, I planned ahead for one thing and made sure I took some time off. I think um, this is not going to be any novel piece of advice, but Let's hear it. <laughs> are super important and, uh, and upholding your boundaries, super important. And so I think doing that, yeah. um, I think a part of that is also reminding myself that, um, this work is hard and, uh, I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but especially this year, I think going into mm. the holidays, we all just are going through some stuff. Yeah, um, awesome. a lot of emotions coming up. I think a lot of, uh, kind of emotional triggers for people, some of which are unexpected. It's just been a hard year in general and, and the holidays always, pull at those parts of us that Mm -hmm. can feel lonely or unaccepted. And, um, and so I've had a parallel process with my clients, I think around that and remembering at the end of the day to take time for me, um, that I'm there to support them, but I'm, I'm not, and shouldn't be their only support. And that sometimes that means drawing boundaries with my clients or supervisees and, and then, scheduling in intentional time for the things that I know make me feel taken care of too. Yeah. As far as like you're planning ahead and I noticed that you, she share that, you know, often there's, you must be very organized um, <laughs> with, with <laughs> you're like, yes, I am super organized. I seem that way sometimes. <laughs> well, the background in the, in the video looks super organized. If it yeah. was my, if it was my lamp, you would see like a bunch of papers near it and things that shouldn't be there and then my wife would be like am I gonna have to clean that up again I'm like yes teamwork (laughs) makes the dream work um with planning ahead holidays 
this year has been different, you know, because of COVID um, and, and you know, everything connected to it. How have you planned um, ahead to allow, you know, your holiday season to go well from the business end? Um, it's interesting because I'm going through a lot of life transition right now too. And so my first thought when you said that is, have I, have I <laughs> planned? Um, I think again, there's a balance in some ways I have, um, and there's a balance of planning and trust. Um, I know for instance, I would love to take two weeks off. Most mm-hmm. of us would, some of us can, I can't this year. That's okay with me, but I have been able to clear, you know, s- stretches of days that I can do that. And that's enough for me. I know myself well enough. So um, I think in terms of planning, it was thinking ahead about, you know, what do I need to sustain me over Mm -hmm. uh, these next two to three weeks? Um, And also, you know, it, it, we're so quick, I think, to go to meeting financial needs, mm-hmm. meeting the needs of our clients. Um, and I think we absolutely have to think about those things, but I think there's nothing that says our own emotional needs, our own needs for rest aren't exactly as important as those yes. things, arguably sometimes more because we can't show up for our clients if we're not showing up for ourselves. Correct. So I try to remind myself that too, that like, I, it's not a choice. I have yeah. to take some time. Um, and it, Part of that involves just trusting it's going to work out somehow. Yeah, uh, and it usually does, but there's also some planning that goes into that too to make sure you know. Yeah, and I noticed it. Mm-hmm. That fear, I'm assuming, ties in there too. I love okay. how intentional you are of you know that inner focus, making sure that you're okay. You know, as you mentioned, some take two weeks off, but you're okay. You know, doing those gaps that you had. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's a good point to throw out there. You know, as we're building our practice in our life it may not look the same. You know, my practice and the way that I run it may look very different than yours. But I guess the key question should be, are you happy? Are you content? Be able to breathe and feel that you're showing up for yourself, showing up for your patients. Yeah. I do a lot of work with polyvagal theory. And I just, anytime I think of fear and I think about balancing things Mm -hmm. in life, that comes to mind for me. I said earlier about um, finding work that's conducive to my nervous system. And I just sort of think in those terms a lot these days of what is conducive to my nervous system. How am I taking care of my nervous system? Um, and by nervous system, I mean, you know, your, your brain, your stress response system. And so if I go through a day or set of days where I notice I'm like right now, I notice I'm, um, raising my shoulders a little bit. My muscles are a little bit tense. Um, my heart's racing a little bit. That tells me that I'm in my sympathetic nervous system a little bit in my fight flight response. And that's normal. This is a, a different sort of setting and mm-hmm. I, I haven't done this before. And so it's normal that I might be feeling a little bit of that right now. Yeah. But if I were to go several days of feeling that a lot, um, that would tell me that what there's something I'm doing that isn't taking care of my nervous system. And what do I need to do to create space for myself where I can engage in activities that are going to calm me, that mm-hmm. are going to soothe me, um, that are going to help me discharge some of that pent up energy. Yeah. So I just think in those terms a lot. And um, I think you have to develop kind of your own barometer for mm-hmm. that. You're right. Everyone is different. Yeah. And, and I think it t- is different. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. My apologies. <laughs> One of the uh, ventures of technology. 
when it decides to lag on you all of a sudden. <laughs> Indeed, I have uh, been the victim of that as well. <laughs> the the holidays, it you, you mentioned a really good point earlier, and it reminded me of this conversation I was having with a colleague who's upstate in New York, um, and then we were we were just discussing you know, the, the feelings, the complicated feelings that come up during the holidays. But we found ourselves talking more about each other than those that we serve. And, and, and then, you know, what we found that interesting as far as like time off, you know, we kind of went back and forth of, you know, co- how COVID has impacted us and are we able to show up for those that we want to show up? And then, you know, if we're not, then it means we got to take a step back, right? We got to work on self-care and recovery. But if we take a step back, that means that we're not going to be able to serve those who really, really need us during this you know, pandemic. And I love that you're here because I think that's right up your alley. You know, what do you think about that as far as just clinicians out there, they're doing private practice and they're trying to balance time off, time off with their families, dealing with things that they're dealing with on their own. But then there's also that, you know, that highlighter out there that's bright and it's hit with this pandemic. And, you know, we are, you know, we're first line responders. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you wording it that way. Cause I think we are, um, you know, first responders in a very different way than mm-hmm. folks who are working direct contact with, Correct. you know, those who are affected by COVID, but um, there, there is a secondary wave of, mental health struggle and stress that's going on across the world in response to this too. And it is shared trauma is what I would consider it. And what I mean by that is both that we as mental health professionals are directly affected by it ourselves. Our lives have been changed by this, but also that we're tasked with supporting other people who are trying to get through this. So in some ways that helps us empathize um, and, and I think a lot of what we all need right now is attunement and co-regulation with one another and somebody saying, yeah, this really freaking sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes that's beneficial and sometimes it means that our threshold for tolerance of stress is lower than it would be at other times. And I think we have to find a place of grace and, and understanding for ourselves in that. Mm-hmm. So I would say to other practitioners, if you find that you're not able to see as many clients a day as you usually can, or you are finding yourself just stressed out, irritable, angry, angry, anger is really common response to stress and burnout. Um, you know, your body is take is feeling the toll of, of the stress that you're carrying around. It's okay to say these are not normal times mm-hmm. and I shouldn't expect my body to respond normally to this. Maybe I need some more space here. Now I know there's limitations on that uh, financial and otherwise for a lot of us too, but so I think part of it is just giving yourself permission for things to be different. I think part of it is also just understanding what you need to do for yourself, kind of like what we were talking about before that um, in order for us to engage with our clients, we have to be in our own calm, safe, socially engaged place, which Mm -hmm. is a different part of our nervous system than the part that's activated when we're stressed. So having some grace for that, I think is necessary too, because just day to day, we got kids screaming in the background. We got my dog barks all the time in my sessions. You know, um, you've got just, we're all with family members. We're in different settings than we're used to. That stuff just 
amps up your nervous system in a way that isn't typical. Yeah. Um, so I think we just have to be aware of that and aware that in order to give our clients our best, we have to keep ourselves grounded as best mm-hmm. we can. And if we're not doing that, then maybe we need to give ourselves some more space. I feel like that was a really long answer. To that. <laughs> that's it was perfect. Yeah, no, it was, it was perfect and laid out beautifully. Um, I think, you know, I think often when, um, some of us, and I'll raise my hand and say, definitely done that. When we're in the journey of private practice, we're looking at, you know, trying to make a certain income, you know, whether it's put food on the table or, you know, save up for a child's education. And, you know, the, the, the discussion that we're having today, making sure that we are okay, it's, it's pivotal. You know, it's, it should be part of the business plan. Because if at any point, you know, we're not doing okay in our journey, everything else is going to go downhill. You know, no matter how great a marketing strategy is, or how awesome of a clinician you are, you know, we, we got to do exactly, you know, what, what you just shared. So yes, it was long, but it needed to be long and it was eloquent and, and you, and you shared it beautifully. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thanks. Allison, it has been a pleasure to connect with you, to speak with you. And you're, as, you, as you're probably hearing, the construction is, is back on. <laughs> so we are ending this at the right time. Things are and, happening. <laughs> if um, clinicians out there want to connect with you, whether it's supervision or just to you know, share space with you. How can I do that? Uh, I have a website, www.allisonpowcounseling.com. That's Allison with two L's. Pow is P-O-W. Um, and my contact information is there. I can also be reached by email at allison at allisonpowcounseling.com. Those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. And I would love to hear from anyone who's either interested in supervision or just wants to chat about, uh, you know, geek out about shared interests. As you head out today, guys, I want you to give yourself a big old hug, a big old high five, because listen, you're doing it. You're taking time out of your day to build your six-figure private practice. You are tapping into ambition. You're tapping into curiosity and you're doing it here together. We're holding hands. We're walking on this journey a private practice journey. Before you head off, do me a kindness. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know which episode really stuck out to you. Which one made you go, yes, I need to start doing a little bit more of that. Or yes, I am doing that and I'm proud of myself for doing that. I am seeing amazing changes. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to growing together on our journey.